You know, we're walking through a series called Signs of Greatness. And we were going through the seven miracles in the Gospel of John. The seven miracles in the Gospel of John. And in each miracle, John actually calls them signs, not miracles. Signs. And why does he call them that? Well, because it's an indication of Christ's power and Christ's ministry. Because it's all about his greatness and showing him off. And, and so we've been walking through those signs learning what we could learn about him. Uh, today we're going to be learning about what it means to be a God who gives sight to the blind. And more than that, what it means to be the God who reigns over all eternity, the Son of Man. We're worshiping him today. And so turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41. John 9, 1 through 41. We're going to be learning what it means to worship him and celebrate him. And how do I best do that? And we've got the ushers coming forward. They've got some Bibles in their hands. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you, all right? We're going to be walking through John chapter 9, basically the whole chapter there. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you. Lord, how do I best celebrate you and worship you? So we're going to break this down like we have each week. The the first half is going to be the story, right, as we just walk through and grasp what's going on with the different people and the different events and what can we learn from that. And, and then we're going to go to the signs at the end. And Lord, what does it mean about your power and your ministry, all right? So the story, let's get started. The story, get the details. Our first step in being able to worship him, boldly obey. Following Jesus to wherever he calls you. Boldly obey, following Jesus to wherever he calls you. So let's just dive in in John chapter 9, verse 1. It says, as he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth. Now, if you notice, every miracle that we've dealt with has been in kind of this crescendo order. And so he started with a guy who was sick. <clears throat> he had a cold. And it, and it was risking his life. You know, I don't know what exactly the thing was, but it was some illness that he had gotten in some short period of time, and, and it was risking his life. And, and so it was about healing an illness. The next step was healing a man who had been um, basically in some way paralyzed or crippled. We're not sure what, but about 38 years of that. Now, he had had a part of his life where he was actually healthy, but about 38 years of not. So long-term disability. This one is from birth. Like never was right, healing of something that actually needs not just restoring, but actual regeneration, making it the way it should be, and it never was that way, all right? So the blind man from birth, it says, Jesus' disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Who sinned? You see, the Jewish viewpoint was, if you were suffering, you did something wrong. They, they grasped what sin was, and they grasped the faultiness in this world being sin, maybe a little bit too aggressively. They started saying, if you're in struggle, it was a particular sin for you specifically that somehow is causing the problem, okay? So it wasn't about sinfulness in general in the world, in a fallen world, it was about you specifically. And sometimes that's true, right? We can struggle with consequences because of sin, but a lot of times it's actually just the fallen world. And, and Jesus is correcting them in just a second here and says, no, it's not just about the father's sin or, or the child's sin. In fact, Exodus chapter 20, verse 5 explained that sometimes the sins of a father would be meted down to generation upon generation below them. And so that's what these guys were speaking to. Is it Exodus 25 or did somehow this guy sin in utero? 
Like, what's going on with this guy? What's happening with him? And, and how did this sin take place? And Jesus is basically saying, you don't get it, okay? Uh, in other words, the disciples are looking backward for explanation. Jesus is looking forward. Listen to what he says. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Forward looking, God's going to display his awesomeness. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Now, the phrasing there, night is coming, probably refers to when Jesus is going to be taken off the earth. There's going to be a point in time where Jesus is not there. The Holy Spirit is not yet with them. And there's this darkness that's come. And he's saying, look, there's this execution of God's greatness that needs to happen now. And, and this is for God's display of his awesomeness. Everybody just say awesome. awesome. Yeah, that's what we're supposed to get out of it. Not sinfulness. But awesomeness, that's what's supposed to be grasped from it. See, they're looking for blame. Christ is looking for power display, all right? The sign of his greatness. Okay, it says right after it, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. You know, Jesus is saying, look, while I'm here, light, okay? Well, what does that mean when he ascended into heaven? Then, then like he's not the light of the world anymore? Well, in actuality, that is what he's saying here. He's saying, look, I'm not going to be on display before you. And, and so we're going to have a different answer. And actually, if you look in Matthew 5 or, or even in Ephesians, we see that we're called the children of light. It's then our job to be displaying his greatness. How? Not by being great people, but by letting him work through you. As he works through you, you show him off. The light of the world is actually holding back a little bit. Oh, he's going to show his greatness. That's absolutely coming. But through you and me, he's actually going to model how he can transform even, well, what scripture calls jars of clay, right? Second Corinthians 4. And, and, and it actually says that we have within us this greatness and we're nothing. Jars of clay meant like fragile, pretty much worthless. If you dropped it and it cracked, you'd go, oh, well, I'll get another one. Okay, that's jars of clay. You and me, we're kind of like, we're the expendable. But within us, the greatness of God Almighty. He is awesome. Again, everybody just say awesome with me. Awesome, right? That's what we're trying to display. In you, God at work. Jars of clay. And so, yeah, at that moment, the light of the world, no longer at work in this world directly, but through you now, displaying himself and his power. Having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva. He made mud. Now, that's going to become a very big deal in just a little bit. Okay, so just hang on. Jesus made mud. Big deal. My three-year-old does that, right? Okay. Watch what happens though. Jesus made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. Anointed. That's like a really delicate and pretty word for saying he took spit rotten mud and shoved it on his eyes. Okay. That's what anointed is. And so the guy has mud like caked on his eyes now from Jesus who made the mud. He's got his eyes anointed. And at that point, Jesus says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Big deal for John. He's like, you wouldn't believe how cool this is. He sent him 
to the pool called scent. Like, do you get it? Like, do you get it? And your answer is, all right, good. We need to get it, okay? There's like this little subtle thing underneath where he's saying, I'm telling you, it's like the pool was named for this moment. God moving and sending. It's awesome to see what he's doing as he sends this man to the pool. So the man, well, he had a few things that he did. He went, he washed, and he came back seeing. It was that simple. He went, he washed, and he came back seeing. God's power unleashed. And here's the cool part about it. Jesus says, go do this. Jesus doesn't tag along. He doesn't say to a disciple, go follow him and tell me when. Radio back to me so I can unleash my power on him, right? He just says, go. And he's so in charge of the universe that the moment the guy does it, Jesus is fully aware his power unleashes on and he's healed. And in that moment, the blind man now sees. Blind from birth, now completely restored. Jesus performing an amazing miracle. What did it take? Well, it started with Jesus' plan, right? He said, I'm telling you this. I'm going to unleash my power on you. You are going to be amazed at what comes from this as I pour out on you a life-changing moment and God's plan for power unleashed. But more than that, his obedience. He said, go and wash. And I'm telling you, if the man did not go and wash, he would not have been seeing. Amen? Like obedience, that's what it's about. Do what you're called to do, and you'll see God move in amazing ways. Obedience. You know, I just wrote down this week, four parts to true obedience. Four parts to true obedience. Uh, We think of two of them readily, and so let me just read all four, and then we'll go back and evaluate here. So number one is hearing. It's kind of hard to obey when you don't even hear what they're saying. So hearing, that's the first step. Number two is understanding. So you listen and you grasp it. Number three is desiring. Like, I really want to do that. And then number four is doing. Okay? So hearing, understanding, desiring, and then doing. The four steps to obedience. Now, we often, when we think of obedience, we think of the first and the last. Hearing and doing. And we actually see those, like in James chapter 2. It says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word also right hearing and doing it's the external part of obedience but the internal part of obedience is understanding and desiring like i get it and i know where you're headed and i want to go there with you that you might be honored in this that's true obedience okay have you ever heard the statement like when a child is asked to sit down and they sit down and you say good obedience and he's like yeah well i'm standing up on the inside (laughs) have you ever heard that Right? It's like the little heart says no, but fine for the moment I'll buckle, right? And so, hey, parents, just a little quick word on obedience. When you're working with your child, work for four-part obedience, not two-part obedience. Work for that heart to be shaped along with. And that means there's times where it might take a little bit of conversation. And so now that I've said that, there's a time to begin to bring that in. And when they're one and a half and two, that's not it. Okay? It's not, I need you to do this now. Now let me explain why. Right? And the little two-year-old is like, whatever. Right? That's not what we're talking about. But when they get a little bit older, you start talking grammar school kids, they better start grasping the why. 
of what's going on. Your goal is to release them. We call it in our home a release plan as we release them at age 18 into the world. And we want them to have reasoning skills, not just the ability to buckle when an authority says no. Do you know what I'm saying? So obedience, it's about teaching four-part obedience. That's what our God calls us to. Hearing and understanding and desiring and then doing, okay? And four-part obedience, externally and internal. So here's my question for you. How are you doing with your obedience with God? How are you doing with understanding and hearing him? I mean, it takes time in the word to be able to grasp what he's actually calling us to and then do it. And if we're not in his word, how can we even possibly begin to say we're obeying? And Lord, I want to hear from you. I want your Holy Spirit to speak to me and may your word have an unbelievable power in my life and that I might hear and understand. And then, Lord, please shape my heart that I might desire that, that I might want that, that I might then follow through and do. Where do you struggle? Which is your problem passage, your problem moment of those four? The hearing, the understanding, the desiring, the doing. Pick what you need to go after and make sure as you go out today, you're like, I want to be more obedient, more four-part obedient with him. All right? This man was told what to do and he did exactly what he was told to do. And he saw God's power unleashed in his life. Hey, the first step is boldly obey. All right. Second step, boldly testify. Share who Jesus is and what he has done for you. Share who Jesus is and what he has done for you. Boldly testify. All right. So we'll pick this up here. He says the neighbors get ready. We're going to deal with three or four different scene changes now. So now he's with the crowd. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. And others said, no, but it is like him, right? It just looks exactly like him. His face is shaped like him. His body is shaped like him. His laugh is like his. His voice is like his. He, he just looks a lot like him. Are you his twin? Right? Because this could not possibly have happened. That's what's going on. I can't believe this kind of miracle would take place. So must just be a lookalike who happened to come into town. And, and the rest of them are like, no, seriously, it is. Well, what's this guy doing? Notice it says his response. He kept saying. He kept saying. You know what that means? Over and over and over and over. He was saying it. As people would say, I don't think so. He's like, seriously, dude, it is me. I don't think so. It's me. I don't think so. I'm telling you, it's me. This is what was happening over and over everywhere he went, trying to convince them it's him. Okay. All he kept saying is, I am the man. I'm the man. I'm the man. I'm the man. Right. That's all he was saying. Everybody's like broken record, dude. We already heard you. We don't believe you. Right. So they said to him. Then how were your eyes opened, mister? Right? Explain yourself. How were your eyes opened? He answered, uh, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. That's it. That's all that happened. They said to him, where is he, this Jesus? He said, I do not know. In fact, I think he probably also said, I don't even know what he looks like. 
Don't you think? Just a little observation between the lines, right? So as he's wrestling with this explanation, notice his explanation of who Jesus is. It's going to crescendo up, okay? He starts here with, he says, he is, well, he's a man. The man, Jesus. You know, some guy. There was this guy who came into town. He spit, made some mud, slapped it on my eyes. Boom, I see. That's what happened. So what's he telling? He's telling a story of what? He's telling the story of what? He's not telling the story of who right now. He's a little afraid of that. But he's telling what? And he's trying to at least testify to his personal experience, all right? That's his what story with the crowd. The crowd, they're not really buying it. They don't really like this, I don't know, answer. And so they brought him to the Pharisees. Oh, great. Right now he's in trouble. Like, that's the end of it, mister. We're done with you. We're bringing you to the Pharisees. Why? Why would they do that? Well, first of all, because if this is a miracle, then let's bring them to the spiritual leaders because they're the ones who know about miracles. And let's ask them their expert opinion, spiritually speaking. And so we'll get your opinion. We couldn't crack this guy. You crack him. Tell us what's going on. So they took the man who had been formerly blind to the Pharisees. There's a second problem, though, and this is the reason they also brought him to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Do you recall this from before? Like, here we go again. Jesus is saying, hey, what day is it? Sabbath. Oh, yeah. It's time to teach him another lesson. So he comes over to a blind man and says, making a little mud, putting it in your eye. Why is that a big deal? Why couldn't he have just said, be healed? Because making mud was illegal on the Sabbath. Did you know that? What kind of rules? Thou shalt not make mud. I, that, like, it's, I think they were partly trying to prevent building things. Okay, And so they were speaking against creating stuff you'd build with. But they said, do not mix water and dirt together. Do not create a clay mud. Okay, And Jesus is like, time to create a little clay. Here we go. Makes the mud, puts it on the eye. I have now officially broken the tradition, but I have not broken the law. Are you hearing it? Like the spirit of the law, he's healing on this. Just so you know, there is another rule that said, you shall not help or heal on the Sabbath, unless it is life and death. Seriously? Like, God's a part of healing. You shall not heal on the Sabbath unless it's life and death. And so they're like, hey, he's gone for a lifetime being blind. He didn't have to be healed on this day. It could have gone another day. You're in trouble, mister. This was not life and death when you healed. Okay? So that's the struggle that's going on. The traditions of man were being boycotted. And God is showing his power, his authority, his rule. All right? So they brought him to the Pharisees. It's the Sabbath day. They've made some things clear. So the Pharisees again asked him, they said, how did you receive sight? He said to them, well, he put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. See how he speaks to the what? This is the event that took place. He put mud on my eyes. I washed, I see. Some of the Pharisees then got into a little bit of a struggle. So here's the Pharisee struggle. This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. He broke our rules. How dare he? He must not be from God, because if you disobey authority, and authority has good rules in place, well then, shame on you. But the other side of the coin, they said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? 
So, problem. God's power is unleashed on the Sabbath. How can this be? Are we wrong? Or is he impudent? Which is it? And so they're now wrestling with each other. They're struggling and they can't quite come to a conclusion. There was a division among them. Verse 16. They started taking sides. Some looking for the power of God to be the final authority on what's right and wrong. Some looking for their own rules and traditions. Those looking for the power of God to be the final authority were starting to be softened to the sign of his greatness. Verse 17. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? Man getting a little more confident now. He says not he's a man. He says he is a a prophet. This man is from God. Somehow this man is connected. I'm telling you, great things have happened. I'm still seeing. It wasn't a moment in time. It's gone on for a while. I'm now standing before the Pharisees and giving them information. And this man is a prophet. He's up the ante. Okay? He's getting more bold in his proclamation of the who of Jesus Christ. He shared the what. Now he's getting into who. He is an amazing man. Not just a man, but an amazing man of God. All right. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received sight until they called his parents. Somehow this guy is standing before him saying, I'm serious. I've been blind. And everybody else is like, seriously, this guy's blind. And others are like, I don't know. I think it's his twin. And they're like, we'll go with the twin thing. I don't believe him. I don't think you're really blind. So his parents come in. Parents now take the scene and the parents have a statement to make. Called the parents of the man who had received his sight, and they asked him, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? Well, his parents answered, We know that this is our son. Number one. We know that he was born blind. Number two. But how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. We weren't there. Are you ready? Cop out time. Ask him. He's of age. Nice move, parents. Way to stand up for your kid. Right? How about, he's not a liar. And I'm telling you, if he's telling you it was Christ, then it's Christ. And I'm telling you, if he says Christ is a prophet, then he's a prophet. How about that? No, they choose to say, we step back. Sometimes the power of God is unleashed right before someone, and they refuse to see it for a variety of reasons. Well, what's their reason here? Well, they had fear going. They were afraid of what might be said and of what might be done. Notice it says, he said, this is our son. He was born blind. How he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Social ripping. Okay? They were scared to death of what might happen to them and their family if they actually stand up for this Jesus guy. They're like, I really haven't met him, and I really don't know much about him, and I'm really not sure I'm ready to pay the price of not being able to hang out in the synagogue. So, ask him. He's of age. And now the son, can you just see the son sitting there? I mean, wouldn't you have to roll your eyes? Mom, I just got done telling you. Like, all right, fine. I'll be the stand-up guy then, all right? So, here we go. 
So for the second time, the Pharisees called the man who had been blind. So we are now on on, uh, scene number two with the Pharisees, all right? They brought him back in, and they've got some questions. First demand, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. We're talking about Jesus. Basically, just say the words. He's not a prophet. He's a sinner. He breaks the Sabbath. He's in violation. Crush his name. Violate his name. Tell us he's nothing but an unrighteous sinner with no God covering at all. Tell us that. Man answered, whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, though I was blind, now I see. Are you hearing his boldness? He is standing before the Pharisees and he's simply saying this. I want you to understand something. There is something amazing that has happened in my life. And why you want to ignore it, I have no idea. But I will not ignore what God's been doing in my life and who he is. My God rules. My God heals. And I'm taking that position. And no one's moving me off. How dare you ask me to confront him as a sinner. He's a healer. Amen? Man, may we be that bold. In this society, talking about the God of the universe, my prayer for you is that you would know Jesus Christ in your life like this blind man does, not like his parents. Not about him, but know him. Do you know what I'm saying? The parents know about him. The parents know that he's done some things and there's been some healings and there's been some stuff and they're really not even willing to take that big of a stand. But the blind man will go all the way out. My life's been changed. I will speak up, boldly proclaiming, boldly testifying. Hey, whatever God's been doing in your life, there's a calm and a peace in me going on that I can't explain. There's a confidence in understanding the greatness of my God, the worship that I have with him now. I can't even explain to you how real he is to me now as I pour through his word, hoping to learn more of him each moment. Like that's that's simple. Just a real explanation of why you are excited about him. Boldly testifying. That's what this man did. I was blind. Now I see. Deal with that one. That's what he's saying. All right. They said to him, what did he do to you? We've already been over this. How did he open your eyes? He answered them. I have told you already. Now, if you think that sarcasm isn't a good thing, get ready, because this man loves a little bit of sarcasm. He answered them, I've told you already, and you would not listen. Why? Do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Are you hearing him? Sounds to me like you're trying to be a follower. Wanting to learn a little bit under the name of hearing what's happening. Is that what's going on? And their answer, as he says, do you also want to become his disciples? They reviled him. That means they weren't very happy, right? They reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. Hey, praise God. They captured that he's a disciple of Jesus Christ. You know what I'm saying? Like in that moment, that's a big sentence. They didn't say, you seem to have some affiliation with this guy. They're like, you... You're following him. No, we, we're following Moses. 
he was clearly delineating himself as a follower of Jesus Christ. My question to you is, can you be found guilty of being a follower of Jesus Christ by what you say and what you do? Man, may we be so guilty of that. Amen. Lord, help me boldly stand for you. Lord, help me to be out there on a limb, living you so real and so vibrantly that people look at me and say, you are one of his disciples. Yes, I am. Amen. I follow Jesus Christ. They said, you, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for the man, Jesus Christ, we do not know where he comes from. That was their statement. We don't know his pedigree. We don't understand his origins. We're not sure who this guy is and we can't quite speak for him. Not really sure we're too hip to this Jesus man. But Moses and the law, now that we're going to stand by. Mr. Sarcasm raising up again now. The man answers, why this is an amazing thing. I can only imagine that he was sitting for a while and now he's walking. And he's pointing. There's a group of Pharisees and he goes into lecture mode, right? He's got some things to say. He says, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from. And yet he opened my eyes. Hello? Are you kidding me? Power unleashed through his word. And you can't vouch for where that would have come from. Amazing. Nice discernment, Mr. Pharisee, right? He says, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Hey, he's got an inside relationship with him. This man has an amazing relationship with him. How do you know, Mr. Blind Man? Well, never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. I see, and I'm one among none. Are you hearing it? It's me alone, man. I see. My eyes have been healed. I see. Hello? That's the definition of God's power unleashed. This man is an amazing man of God. If the man were not from God, he could do Nothing. Well, his little lecture and sarcasm went over very well, I'd say. They answered him, you were born in utter sin. Would you teach us? And they cast him out. Okay. Get out of the synagogue. How dare you lecture? I see that finger wagging. Get out of here. You were born in utter sin. Well, where'd they get that statement from? How do they know that? They've fallen all the way back to their position on, if you're blind, it's either your sin or your father's sin, I don't know which it is, but you're in trouble. Now, Jesus already addressed this. It is not his sin, and it is not his father's sin. It was that his display of works might be done that day, right? They have now fallen back to a wrong understanding of sin, and they cast this man out, and they lose the testimony. Done. All too often, people are, you know, we call them red apples versus green apples, right? Red apple ripe. Okay, I understand some green apples can be ripe. We're not talking about those. Okay, so the red apple, green apple. So red apple is ripe, green apple not ripe. Where would you say the Pharisees are? Pretty green, right? Like, I see God move, and I doubt it ever happened. I hear God change things, 
and I put my tradition over it and claim him wrong. I have the better understanding. That's a pretty green apple. Okay? Do you find yourself shaking your fist at Christ? Suggesting that he's wrong and your traditions and understandings are right. That's where we need to be careful. That God might be glorified. May we hear him and respond to him as the almighty king. Hey, they had a grasp of sin. Or at least they thought they did. They had a grasp of wrong. And they didn't follow at all. You know, there was a, a guy, uh, we'll just call him Bob. He was about 50 years old. He had a surgery on his eyes. Uh, true story here. This guy could not see for the majority of his life. And they ended up discovering that it was an optical nerve damage that they could actually do some repair on. And so the doctor did some repair on it. And after they fixed it, he could see. Yeah, all of a sudden, he could see colors. He could see shapes. He could see images. Uh, he was starting to recognize things for the first time. And then he watched the man as he said, come walk across the room to me. And the man stood up and he, he started feeling around at things and going. And he said, I noticed that it took him months to stop living as a blind man who now had sight. He needed to start living as a seeing man who once was blind. Total difference in how you act and react. Do you know who Jesus Christ is? Have you trusted in him as your personal savior? Has he torn the veil off and made clear who he is? And you're like, oh, I get it now. And I see his greatness and I see how he works. And and yet we stumble through the world still as worldly people. Blinded. Not letting God teach us and train us through his word. Not living with the sight we have of him. Hey, may we boldly obey May we step out uniquely healed, seeing people because he has touched our hearts and souls. And if you haven't trusted in Christ, may today be that day where you knock it down, where you put the stake in the ground and say, it's done. Today I'm trusting in him. I want that sight, Lord. Please forgive me. And use your shed blood to replace what I owe. I believe you are raised from the dead. I confess you as Lord. You are my God. That's what it means to trust in him. May we truly have that sight. Believe in him and obey in him. And live accordingly. So the first is boldly obey. The second is boldly testify. The third, boldly worship. Boldly worship. Seeing his power and authority, respond to him as God. Seeing his power and authority, respond to him as God. This is a powerful moment here. It says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said. Note, Jesus heard he's in a tough spot, and he went and found him to help him out. Our God is an encouraging God, amen? Our God is a mighty, encouraging God. So Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? What a question, huh? It's not, do you believe that I just did what I did? It's, do you believe in the Son of Man? What does that mean, the Son of Man? Where does that come from? It comes from Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. I'm just going to read these to you. You don't have to turn there. Listen to this. Definition of Son of Man. Daniel saying this, I saw in the night visions... And behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. 
And he came to the ancient of days, God himself, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom and all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. The son of man, he will rule for eternity. The son of man, he will reign over everything. The son of man, he said, do you believe in the son of man? The man's response, well, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said, you have seen him, and it is he you are speaking to. Like, welcome to the son of man. This guy has a giant decision to make. Does he in that moment say, blasphemer, are you kidding me? Or does he say, unbelievable, I worship you. His response, Lord, I believe And he worshipped him. He basically just said, Are you kidding me? You, the one who reigns for all eternity? Done. I believe it. And he dropped right there and worshipped him with all he had. Gave him all the attention, all the glory, all the time. You are my God. You are my king. I worship you, Lord. I hear you, Lord. The son of man. He went from some guy. Jesus to well he's a prophet right to he is truly from God did you see his works to he is the son of man who rules over everything that's his progression through this story wow what an amazing moment of worship as this man grasped the depths of who Jesus Christ is and boldly worshiped him Jesus said For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see and that those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things. I love that. He's saying it to the blind man. I've come that those who don't see can see. And the Pharisees over here, he's like, what? Did you hear that? I think he just said I'm blind. Are you kidding me? Look at how nicely I'm dressed. Look what I have together. How dare he say that, right? And so the Pharisee looks at him. Some of the Pharisees heard these things. They said, are we also blind? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now you say we see. And so your guilt remains. Amen. You have the very word of God in your hands and the power of God in your presence. And you're missing it. That's holding you accountable. That's what he's saying. Please respond to the almighty one. May we boldly obey and boldly testify and boldly worship. You know, that guy, Bob, the guy I was telling you about with the site, this was his quote. I never dreamed yellow could be so yellow. I never dreamed of the glory of the moon on a full moon night. I was stunned by the colors in a sunrise Wow, we serve an amazing creator, God. Worship, when we see, it changes everything, amen? Hey, my prayer for you is that you could see God whole against the sky and worship him. That's the story, getting the details. Let's just do the sign, get the big picture real quickly here. The sign, getting the big picture, the extent of his power, the extent of his power. Jesus is able to heal. 
Uh, duh. Right? Hey, Jesus is able to heal. The Pharisees wouldn't even accept it. But you know what? He's able to heal lifelong disability. Jesus has the power over everything physical. He is able to place conditions on healing and know from a distance whether they're met. Jesus has authority over this universe with his spoken word. And he's able to give sight. Sight to the physical blind, but sight to the spiritual blind. Our God heals and our God regenerates. Our God opens our eyes to him. The extent of his power. The purpose of his ministry. The purpose of his ministry. He's more than a restorer. He's a regenerator. I I put it this way. God's power plus man's following is amazing salvation in the end. God's power, man's following. I'm telling you, we have a God who chooses and he predestines. He's a part of our salvation. He works an amazing gift in us, but we have a responsibility to believe and confess. And the two together bring together a solution of almighty salvation in him. Without God's power, we have nothing. With God's power, we have everything. He reigns over all. Amen? He reigns over what? All. All. That's our king. He is the son of man, meaning his dominion will never end. And he reigns over everything. Our God is almighty. He can so be trusted. Look for his power in your life. Look for him revealing himself and get ready to obey and proclaim the works that he's doing and simply put, Drop and worship him right where you are. That's what it looks like to respond to our healing God who gives sight. Amen? Let's pray.